Hey, Christian. Yeah. Why are you the way that you are? Why am I the way that I am? Yeah. Uh, probably from, like, the shit that's happened to me in my life. Follow-up question. Yeah. Why do you do the things that you do? Because, <laughs> I, I don't know, I am who I am. You don't know where I'm going with this, do you? I have no idea what you're doing right now. We're talking about backstory. Ah, okay. <laughs> We're talking about backstory and personalities and tropes and what makes a character into the fundamentals, the building blocks of class and race that we covered last episode. And we're talking about the, the creative, the more personal side of things. Makes you sense. didn't really catch that? I'm ashamed to say I'm the writer of this show <laughs> I was trying, man. <laughs> I was trying to tee you up, you know? I was like, damn, are we getting dark and personal right now? <laughs> Not yet. Welcome to Session Zero, a D&D podcast to help new players get comfortable before their first role. I do want to acknowledge right at the top something that we had said in the last episode, which was how these are meant to be companions to one another. Yeah. And how we can kind of go at it in either direction and should probably for different characters that you create, unless you find that one really honed process of, of what you like and, and what works the best for you. Especially if you're playing at a table you're familiar with knowing how they operate. Yeah, but it's otherwise it's, it can be fun to really find where you fit into your own when you employ different strategies in order to create your character. With that being said... I know actually that you've created a couple now. What was the process like for maybe your first and how does some of them differ? What do you roll into first? The process for the first one, what what I was really looking to get out of D&D was more of the role-playing aspect. Okay. I think that was the part that I was really excited for, um, which didn't end up being necessarily how the game was played. It was my first time. It was my first time, you know, working with the DM and everything. Boy, I remember. But I started with the personality. I came up with this character, this ex-convict, who was a recovering kleptomaniac. And I really loved the character and the story that I came up with and everything. And ended up not really getting used as much in that campaign. Yeah, and this is the the holiday special that we did. Yeah, the holiday special that we did. Um, So then when creating the second character, I... Now that I had a bit more of a grasp on more of the classes and the races and... Like, the dynamic between character build and backstory, I actually started with a class. I, as your DM, uh, <laughs> I know I know kind of the, the route that—and I'm, I'm picking on you a little bit yeah. because I think that your process in those first two really exemplifies what we want to talk about today. And one thing I think is good to mention up front when talking about taking a character first— from a backstory perspective is that it doesn't mean totally ignore the fundamental character build class and race of it and you should ha- you should be able to thumb through those things a little bit and get a general sense or an idea of what you want and be able to shape your backstory from that point yeah yeah and it might change a little bit uh, a good a good example of that was would be maybe playing something in cleric paladin or fighter and multi-classing and then realizing, ah, I think I'm just going to go to paladin or this subclass makes more sense now. But at least having a general sense of what you think this person looks like before kind of going through it all, I think is probably a good idea. I think it is too. And that is something that you did. You told me, you just, I want to play a halfling ranger. And then the rest of it just kind of spurred from there. Yeah. Yeah. But what we're really talking about right now is backstory and coming up with a backstory we've talked enough about race and class in the other episode Mm -hmm. those are things to consider when doing this so like my second character like i said i i I started with the class and race Mm -hmm. i figured those out and then i just kind of started brainstorming what is this going to look like what would what 
would this character look like? How could they exist in a world? A halfling ranger, you know, a little humanoid who... And I, I am a Tolkien-esque person. Yeah. So I'm thinking of hobbits who live in the ground yep. and, like, have the hairy feet and everything. That's just what I think of. That isn't always necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. And then rangers are people who are good at tracking. They're good in, in certain terrains. And I thought that kind of went hand in hand, at least in my brain. And I came up with two very different ideas for backstory. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you had two kind of... You had two kind of polarizing concepts that you brought to me. But, I mean, one of the ideas was basically this little Tarzan halfling who yeah. just could barely function as, like, an actual working person in society. Right. And the other one was just a very happy-go-lucky little guy who just loved playing in nature. Yeah, so I know that some of the things we want to talk about today are the different ways that a backstory can be influenced based on the game that you're playing instead of just sitting down in a vacuum as a writer and coming up with a person. How yeah. does How is it influenced through the lens of Dungeons & Dragons? So what about the, the, the focus of the game that we were playing and how I had described to you guys the game that I wanted to play? How did that influence you when you were creating your character? What you said was that you wanted to play a game that was more kind of role play heavy. Yeah. You wanted to do more role playing, less combat than what we had played mm -hmm. previously. And then you said that you, you had the world that you wanted to set it in. And yes. you kind of gave us a sense of what that world was. Yeah, socially and... Mm -hmm. Socially, gonna... economically, geographically. Right. And you kind of gave us a sense of you know, how the different races interacted with one another, how that contributed to maybe our backstory of, you know, I'm a halfling, but I'm not, like, unknown by other races, you know? It's like I'm just a working race in society. Right. And with roleplay heavy, it meant that I got to go more in-depth. And was given, were given the opportunity to make charisma a dump stat. Yeah, uh, which was awesome. Very Act much enjoyed doing it. Actively shoot yourself in the foot, why don't you? Yeah. Yeah. But you said you wanted to be a bit more serious, a bit more like, we'll get heavy, but like, by all means, have fun, you know, like get into your character, make your character as goofy as you want. But I'm going to want some nitty gritty. I'm going to want some dirt. I'm going to get to that here in, here in a minute. But you did mention the world and how that influenced your character based on race and class. And when picking Exandria, which is the world of Critical Role that I decided to run a module from, a module, here we go. Back to words that we have to explain is a pre-built or pre-structured, I should say, D&D &D campaign or arc of some kind that gives a DM a lot of tools already pre-prepared for them and still leaves room for improv and their own creative freedoms, but gives them a lot of the structure, the bones of what they need in order to run sessions for players. So I picked one out of one of the Critical Role source books. And that environment has a lot to do with tensions between factions of society, with the way that the continent is carved up and how different cultures and, say, kingdoms and political territories have formed based on the landscape, as well as a lot of cultural commentary on essentially what is the challenge to the form of that Tolkien kind mm -hmm. of mindset. So, yeah, I, I made sure to kind of inform you guys, like, I don't, you know, I'm not going to tell you exactly where you're from. I'm not going to force you into any one thing. But if you decide to play one of these races that primarily exists in a, per a certain portion of the continent, then you might have some tensions when traveling through other places. Or it might be a little bizarre if you decide you would like your character to be from somewhere else. Then those implications are going to kind of ripple through your character. And I think that's a really important note 
to mention about a session zero is we did those kind of one-on-one. You told us that information because there was information that we could know and that we couldn't know, but we couldn't just look it up and then like find something we weren't supposed to. Yep. So when we had these one-on-ones, I think there were only two of us players who kind of had a backstory fleshed out or like a bigger solid one. So when we did sit down with you and you were able to give us those informations, we had a really great back and forth of Mm -hmm. really fleshing it out and nitty gritty finding its pinpoints in that module. Yeah, which is a nod to thinking of broad strokes and overall concepts, because in that process, whether it be solely yourself creating the character or having a conversation with your DM like we did, I got to sit down with you and already say, okay, I have a general sense of where I think your character would be from. Let me describe to you these three or four different locations that are all in different factions and sit in different parts of the continent and what each one of them might insinuate for your character and how they grew up. And you pretty much right away knocked it down and goes, that would make sense. Yeah. And it really did help me break it down because I did go with that. Tarzan. Yeah. No, I kind of went in between. I yeah, up, you. well, I, that's fair. Yeah. I ended up going kind of in between, and I had known that I wanted to do that before walking into that Okay. That meeting, and you just were like, well, this is where the town is, this is what the town is kind of like, this mm-hmm. is where it is, this is what's going on around it, and I go, well, this makes sense, this makes sense, this makes sense, Yeah. and then we really just kind of picked those three points apart of like, you know, you're in this territory that's right on the edge of two different territories who are at war Mm -hmm. and how could that affect my life as a young halfling in this area and I mean it really did help me pick out those points that I wanted of I didn't like that life and mm-hmm. I didn't like my parents. I so was wandered diff- off into the forest. So I wandered off into yeah. the forest because I wasn't interested in it. That's actually a great point to switch over to the complexity of a character and what you want narratively from it because not only are you creating a person, you're creating this character that you are going to act out or take on the role of for some time you're also creating for yourself the kind of story that you would like to tell and the role that you would like to play week to week or however you session to Mm -hmm. session right so you have to think a little bit about okay i can play this happy-go-lucky was one of your ideas this character that comes from a secluded town that has a rather simple life and has this narrow or this simplified way of thinking Or you can do as you did Mm -hmm. and in your weird amalgamation of your two original ideas say, okay, how do I play both because of this inciting incident that made some trauma and changed some things and now I've got all of this dark history or this predisposition to the world that we can play with throughout that can really influence the decisions when you make your, your character, when you play at the table. I think an important thing to talk about when talking about how complex you want your backstory to be is you could just be some dumb barbarian and take that at face value, or you can be some dumb barbarian and have the other players take that at face value when in reality you have this very complex Mm -hmm. reasoning behind it. Right. Or at face value, you could be very complex. You could be like a rogue who seems very dark and mysterious, but in reality, like, they literally just steal because they want to. Yeah, you can just unlock doors and be sneaky or... With another player, our friend Marissa, I kind of encouraged her to take that sneaky, untrustworthy trope of a rogue in a different direction. And I said, how fun would it be based on she played a changeling? How fun would it be to have this character that is good at deception, good at sleight of hand, that can do all of these, you know, air quotes, shady things 
and make them really charismatic and almost play into the rogue style of trying to schmooze people because there's something to be said about who's who are some of the untrustworthy people that you know the ones that are good at lying right the ones that are that can actually bring you in and entice you and get you to trust them and then uh-oh and it's really fun for me to sit at that table because i feel like the three other players they come in and like their characters at face value seem very like dark, mysterious, smart, intellectual. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, Hobgob the Bognob. <laughs> that is the cursed name. That is a phenomenal that. name. Oh, Lord. And I'm just, you know, I'm just playing a dumb, little, uncharismatic halfling when in reality, I know that I have a very complex backstory. They don't, which they mm-hmm. probably do too. I don't know theirs either. But it's that kind of face value of there's going to be a time when yeah. my character just snaps and they're going to realize. Yeah. And that is a very fun thing to do as a player writing a backstory for your character. Yeah. Is figuring out those dynamics. And it's all based on what it is that you would actually like from your play. Because if you would just rather to not be thinking that in depth and to make impulse decisions or rather binary choices based on this is my character would say yes or no to this right my character would walk in this direction to go help people instead of walking off to go fight the enemy i'm going to go heal or i'm going to right and you just want to drive your story that way that's great but if you want to take a little bit of time and really think about the implications of your decision and all of the things that have led you up to that point as your character i think that's really really interesting i think that's neat and it's I not think, necessary i think it is important to know to before writing your character Taking into consideration how you think the game's going to be run. The storyline. The yeah, story with line. the DM and what kind of game that they anticipate Is it gonna be running. Because con- yeah. if it's going to be combat heavy, then it's fun to come up with a personality, but you don't necessarily need to go deeper than that. Yeah. You can, by all means, if you want to. Right. It is, I, I mean, I am a writer, so I find it a lot of fun. Right. But it's not necessarily something that you have to do. So you don't have to stress about, I need this super complex thing. Yeah, it's totally valid for a DM to just want to play a game where we just kind of goof off and we're going to hit town to town and we're going to see what kind of trouble we get into and everybody's going to have their little bit of escapism for the session and then uh, we're not going to worry about threatening in big stuff. I'm going to stick to what the module says and you guys are going to fight the giants or the dragons or the, the monsters I put in front of you. You're going to surmount the dungeon or solve the puzzle and everybody's going to go home feeling great. And that long story-driven form is just not what works for them. Mm. And I mean, also, if that seems very intimidating to you of coming up with a crazy personality, coming up with something quirky, different, and unique, or whatever, you can play as yourself. Oh, yeah. By all means, you can play by yourself. And oftentimes, for your first character, you will a little bit on accident. Yeah. Uh, And you'll learn... I was a shining example of this, for sure. But you'll learn that you've written this thing that seems funky and different from you and cool and maybe mysterious, and then you're like, oh, wait, no, I've just kind of receded into me a little bit. So, But you do find a kind of a beautiful place that it goes to, which is a meeting in the in the middle where you are enough of your own person, your own self, uh, as the the player at the table that you feel comfortable to role play, and then you have these fun other things that make it feel uniquely different from you and allow you to have some fun and, and do some really interesting things. Now, I think we should kind of touch on if you don't already have a class and race picked out, if if you're starting with backstory. And you come up with a personality or a trope that you want to go with. I think there's a very easy way to do that. And it's something that's not necessary for every game, but is certainly helpful if people are stuck. I've known some people to be stuck in thinking that the whole party has to be balanced 
And certainly that's something that affects the D&D community as a whole when creating a new game are players that go, okay, who's going to be our healer and who's going to be our rogue and who's going to be our tank and who's going to be and trying to fill these gaps. I told you guys when we started playing when at first none of you were looking at Cleric, I said, that's great. A, a DM that they'll they'll notice. They'll know these things that are happening about their party and suddenly in their world health, health potions become a lot cheaper, right? They're going to give you mm-hmm. whatever it is that you need or scale down the hit point sponges that are enemies so that because you guys aren't huge damage dealers but often take advantage of the environment or persuade your way through encounters that'll shift and change you don't necessarily have to go and fit yourself into what you might consider to be a missing piece in the party but if you're stuck why not use that as a way to figure out what it is that you might like Mm -hmm. so i've got a question that might be helpful if you're starting out with backstory and you don't already have a class and a race picked out what would you even you know you're stuck you try the your other your other party members aren't helpful or you don't quite love what those holes are what would you suggest trying to do in order to get that start i would really look at what that personality or trope would value so if you are like a very nature-esque personality that you picked out loosely or directly then you can look at like ranger or druid Yeah, that's an interesting thought. So from there, you can pick your race, too. Also, maybe what they would be good at. Yeah. Skills and abilities that they might want that proficiency bonus we talked a ton about, which are provided by the races and the classes. Give you kind of an idea, an outline of where to go. Like, what would that personality naturally be good at yeah you know yeah there's always the tables we mentioned too you know it's it's hard to say to stick with stereotypes but a lot of those tables not only play to some kind of typical tropes and give you a good range within that a lot of them also give you ways to branch out of it as well so those are those are very good resources within the the player's handbook when you're going through creator uh, character creation the player's handbook as well as some supplementary content like i know when looking through explorer's guide to wildmount for our campaign i was actually pretty impressed to see a lot of those in there as well as a lot of those in there specific to the world of exandria and the continent of wildmount too so this would be another great place to talk to your dm and say what are some of the things that would be normal for an everyday life of a person that comes from this area that I've already written in my backstory or has these values or participates in this kind of work, these these core elements of my backstory, where might that person fit in? Where might they come from? And what else based on the environment specifically then would they value or some connections they might have? And even if then you don't like what you came up with, you can spin it. That is the beauty of backstory is yeah. you can spin it to how it makes sense. Yeah. It's very, it's very easy to do that. So I think thinking about general concepts is definitely good before going into backstory but let it let it ride if you need to kind of bounce back and forth that's probably your best bet if you're having a little trouble or you don't tackle it from one direction then take a break from writing a little bit write down i want to play a character that values this i want to play a character that comes from this home or this environment or this region write down i want to play a character that is good at sleight of hand or is very strong right just general kind of ability things Mm -hmm. and then go hunting and find inspiration because there's a lot of material in those books too when you go looking for stuff that says who has what class gives me proficiency in acrobatics what race gives me the ability to not sleep yeah right we talked about that what race gives me that stone's endurance what uh who can take a lot of damage stuff like that yeah um i think really before you dive super deep into your backstory though you should have a general idea of what race and class you want and what you know what your your trope and personality that you want to go with you want to have a general yeah. idea not stuck in stone by any means but 
you want to have a general idea and actually having your ability scores figured out can also really help. It's also a very fun way to approach. Yeah, we've mentioned that as a as a unique approach too, is just rolling those scores and saying, all right, this looks like a fun thing and then letting it roll from there. A fun way to go about it too, and this is where the aspects of role playing and backstory really start to have blurred lines. They mm-hmm. really start to play hand in hand is, I, and I love, I asked all of you guys, asked all of you guys, kind of the joke I was making at the top of the show, which was, why is your character the way that they are? What about you guys all came to me with characters that were built to the point where you were able to tell me, I would like to play a game through the lens of this character that acts this way, that does these things. But none of you really had a whole lot built in the sense of why that character had those things going for you. That's backstory, mm-hmm. right? But that's also how I would suggest anyone approach role-playing to keep yourself from just playing as the player at the table since you are in D&D given the opportunity to play something unique that is not just yourself, that is not the human being standing over the table that can see the minifigure behind the bush or knows an aspect of the, the overall story that the DM told another player but your player didn't hear, so technically you're not supposed to operate with that knowledge, right? That idea of metagaming. A very good way to keep from doing that is when presented with those situations that you as a player can maybe think, I know it's maybe not the greatest idea to let my anger get the best of me and kick down the door of the secret meeting we're all on the other side listening to because we rolled good stealth and perception checks. Mm -hmm. But I created a hothead and somebody inside just said mean words and I have a big sword. (laughs) And I, I mean, I think that's a very important distinction to make. I mean, when we're playing, you always... Will ask, would you do this or would your character do this? Because I had to a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. And there was one point where one of our players, Marissa, who we mentioned before, she grew up in a coastal town in real life. Oh, Marissa yeah. herself, she grew up yeah. on in a lake town. Mm-hmm. And so she knows about boats. Yeah, yeah. But her character doesn't. No idea. So she was her character was pretending to do something on a boat, acting like they knew what they were doing. Yeah. And then when it came down to it, she acted like she 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 presumed that she did because Marissa, the player, knew. Uh-huh. And not I had, realizing that Marissa's character did not. Yeah, I had to challenge her because where I knew that she'd come from, it made very little sense for her character to be able to. She jumped up and started to help the crew and said that, yeah, I, I you know, I'm I'm gonna help with these sails and I'm gonna start tying knots here. Whatever it was specifically, she said I don't remember, but she named several rather specific actions, and I kind of furrowed my brow at her a little bit. I was like, um, I'll I'll give you a sleight of hand at disadvantage but only if you can tell me why your character would know these things or else I'm just going to say you're going to look like an idiot trying to tie a knot because you don't know how. Why would you know how? Mm-hmm. Right. And that I watched her eyes get really wide. And what was really, really cool after that was she said, OK, actually, because I want information from this crew member and that was I was going to try and schmooze him by being nice and helping. Instead, I'm going to play into my shifty role of the charismatic rogue that is mildly deceptive to get the way that the way <laughs> to get what they want. I'm going to slip more into my character and then it became I'm going to fake it and I'm going to go try to do this thing and she got as the player to explain to me what a crew member might be doing because I don't know the ins and outs Mm. of sailing and she does so she said there's I would assume the role you described to this crew member to have on the ship, these are some of the things that they would, they would be doing. If that's the case, can I approach them while they're doing it and try and act like I know what I'm doing and try and help? And I said, absolutely, 100%. Now give me a performance or a deception check, which plays in hand to her character because what she's good at. Mm-hmm. That is role playing in its basic sense. Yeah. You can run into a lot of different types of role playing. You might want to do a bunch of different types of role playing. Mm. 
Like personally, I I enjoy dressing in costume and talking in voices and oh, yeah. acting it out and stuff. That those are all things that you can do. Yeah. And people will do. And it can be intimidating, it can be weird, it can be uncomfortable. Oh, it can be so much fun though. But it can be so much fun. But yeah. you know, I think it's really important to note that in role playing, if you're just acting like your character, that is enough. That baseline role playing, that acting as your character at its core, is also the reason why I went through the requirement with you guys to have a have a what they call a dump stat, right? Have a negative ability score in something. Make your character be bad at something so that you can navigate around what they would do that's not the exact boat situation with Marissa. It's mm-hmm. not the thing that you would do, right? Even though these things that are your character is good and bad at might differ from you, that then gives you a number as well to look down and say, oh, I would do this, but shoot, if I try i have to roll the, i have to remember that i don't have my knowledge i have to roll the negative thing that's on here and then that's so maybe i'll go a different direction um so a lot of this backstory character creation stuff that we're talking about can tie into those ability scores can tie into the personality of the character based on the campaign a lot of it's really fluid a lot of it can run together um it can also we're talking about we, we use the the seafarer as an example right if there's a class that's more akin to doing that that can be another thing that can really help you influence no matter the direction that you're going in. If you pick a fighter because you like the utility of a fighter, you can think to yourself, okay, this person might be a mercenary. This person might be a pirate. There's a subclass for the fighter called the swashbuckler. They might be a soldier. They might be a a bodyguard. They might be a knight from a, a royal kingdom, right? You're not maybe going to put a druid on a pirate ship unless they are specific to the sea something like that all of this stuff can really bounce off of one another so it's a testament to what we've been talking about is it can go any way i do want to get back to also you had mentioned the lights the costumes the music yeah and how those things can kind of touch on role playing i want to shift a little bit and talk about the different levels or intensities of some people's role play we've talked a lot about actual play podcasts that are usually starring professional voice actors or writers or people that are trained in improv etc mm-hmm. which you're not always going to and most certainly won't encounter in your everyday home game when we first sat down and started talking about doing this game we i think we pretty much all got pretty excited about doing more role playing Mm -hmm. because I'm someone who just likes using voices like that's one of my things that was the first thing that Marissa had asked me when I had told her I was like I want this to be a more narrative heavy I've got some cool content that is the structure of the module that I want to run that can be kind of heavy it's not going to feel like your stereotypical heroes climb the mountain beat the big bad guy at the top because everybody can hit real hard and she looked at me and kind of you know they did the little triangle fingers together giddy tap thing and smiled and (laughs) are you going to do fun voices for us <laughs> i said i will try i'll do my best when it, it's it we got excited about it and like i feel fairly comfortable i am a writer like i can do improv mm. i can do voices but some of the other players at the table i ran into marissa she actually came into where i work and sat down at the bar and was doing some work and she was looking up how to, how role, to role play, play how to get into character and yeah. doing that kind of things and i know that you mentioned that another player isn't used to role playing or doing the narrative aspect of it so after the first session oh yeah noah yeah mm-hmm. you like just kind of had he he came up he approached you didn't he? he yeah he he drove me home from the session but he had told me and he's played for years he's helped create like home 
homebrew some systems with his friends and has run plenty of games. And what was a really cool moment for me was after, I just before I got out of the car outside of my apartment, he goes, you know, nobody's ever done what you did today to me. I've never experienced that in D&D before where you looked at me and you said, based on everything that's just happened, all of the events that have just transpired throughout the session, how does your character feel? How are they, how are they processing the emotions in the first moment of reprieve from all of the action? And that was prompted by you taking a look around and trying to get, or excuse me, your character, yeah. trying to get a, essentially a read on everybody that was on the boat and surveying your surroundings. And I described them to you and I said, and at the end of your line, your line of sight, you see Pip, you see Noah's character and then transition to Noah. So you guys had that cool and it was all role play that fed into the player's backstory. And you talk about your strengths as a writer and some people's not having the disposition are within them to go be comfortable role-playing a character. I approach all of it as a, as a theater kid, as an actor. Mm-hmm. The entire time that you're acting, you're thinking about my my character, my role would react this certain way based on X, Y, Z. Because they value something, because something has affected them in some way, because there are influences on their mindset or the context of the situation that is in front of them. And I think that's a really cool way to lead yourself into both role-play and also making decisions fundamentally in character and getting out of your shoes as a player at the table and kind of for a while forget that you're playing a game. That's Mm -hmm. the the most fun about roleplay is that you get to, for the most part, mechanics can be worked in if you're roleplaying with some NPCs and you're making deception checks or persuasion rolls or rolling insight to see if they're lying to you, stuff like that. Absolutely, you're still playing D&D, but for a while you can kind of step into the fog a little bit and really immerse yourself in that character. And I think that's, role play strength. But I think it's also like really important to know and you kind of touched on it like I am a writer. I'm also like an on-camera personality. Like I've done that before. Mm-hmm. You're a theater kid. Yeah. So these are our strengths. Yeah. If you are not comfortable yeah. doing those kinds of things and it is very new to you, even just getting into character and thinking like your character, making yeah. decisions based on your character, that is perfectly fine because we do have our fourth player at our table, mm-hmm. Emma. Yeah. That's not her strength at all. Yeah. And not a whole lot Noah's either. I think that's the point of getting to know the other members of the party, the other players at the table, the DM included, right? It is perfectly acceptable to say, I'm not super comfortable with this. Either I am or I'm not willing to try. This is the kind of game that I want to play. And everybody should meet in the middle on that. There's not one person that says, well, I want to role play every second of every session and everybody better pick up the pace because this is, here we go. (laughs) And if you like, if you think you're going to be a bother because everyone is doing so much role playing and accents and everything, no one is going to care. If they do, then they're the person who's wrong yeah like that's just a toxic table to sit at which we kind of touched on in the first episode mm-hmm. of if you don't like the table walk away there are much better tables mm-hmm. there's there's a table that will suit you perfectly out there yeah or at least better than that one one thing i'd mentioned earlier that not necessarily a toxic table but a good example of this and in, in games that i wouldn't like to play as as a player is that metagame aspect right yeah and it, a bit into role play separates you the player from the character that you're playing right metagaming would be when you're making decisions as a character based on the knowledge that you the player have so that I talked about, you know, the DM telling another player's character in a narrative bit a secret or another player's character finding something or having something in their inventory or having even talked with another player at the table about Mm -hmm. their backstory outside of a session and then coming in and acting upon that information in character is like, whoa, hold on, wait a minute. You don't, I told you about what happened to me when I was growing up, but you, we just met. (laughs) Us characters just met on this, uh, this island that just sunk into the ocean and now we're on 
a we're on a we're on a boat, man. I don't know who you are. Nice to meet you. Like that's that's a cool thing to really help you get into character. Well, I, th- I think a good example from my character and me personally as a player doing this is I'm playing an uncharismatic idiot. Yeah who didn't have a lot of personable contact in their life. And so I kind of made it a bit, but also a trait where Mm -hmm. when people say sayings, I have no idea what they mean. Oh, I got to ask you a question about that. Yeah. Are you mocking the Kenku? I am not mocking the Kenku. I thought that was so funny. So we are... So Noah, who we mentioned is, I said his character's name was Pip, that's a Kenku. And Kenkus are almost parrot-like birds. They can only speak using mimicry. They can only repeat phrases that they've heard. I'm not sure if it's in the same, like a parrot will mimic tone and dialect and timbre and stuff. I'm not sure if it's the same as that or if they have their own, but they can only repeat phrases that they've heard. They don't have like their own voice, so to speak. And so when you started doing that, I thought you were just, I thought you were mocking the Kenku. No, so what, what I was really doing is... People would say these things to me. And like some of them were like, you like, you're annoying. Yeah. Shark smell blood. But no yeah. one I would ask, I was like, what is that? And no one would explain it to me. So then I would use it in the complete wrong context yeah. because my character had no idea what it meant. Yeah. He's not been around people. He's ever. not been around people. Like yeah. and he's naive enough to always ask over and over again instead of being nervous or <laughs> I don't know, not socially inept in every way. <laughs> yeah. And I mean that was that was just me really getting into character. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to talk to people, so I'm gonna yeah. try. And And that prompts to another good story about getting comfortable playing your character and allowing it to change, too, because there was something that I think you fell into a little bit, and I could possibly just be projecting my experience onto you. But I did touch on, after our last session, I took you aside and had mentioned about how being the unlikable character, which in your case, I think you've set out to annoy the other party members, which is funny. I was also kind of just trying to push them to roleplay, honestly. Yeah, and it, it is, by all means really funny but that was something that was a pitfall i had in my first character where when i had started to role play i started to lean on the dislikable parts of the backstory that i had written because it's it's easier to be mean to people it's easier to be it's easier to cut people off and actively stymie conversations and instead of trying to be nice and trying to you know if you're uncomfortable role playing and just go oh well i wouldn't like to talk to people that's a that's a that's a pretty normal thing i think but it can be used as a crutch Mm. so i had kind of pulled you aside and was like, hey, being the unlikable character works. But whatever you had in mind as the payoff for these other characters to learn about your backstory or maybe for them to uncover over time and get to know you or whatever, just shorten it up a little bit. Uh, And I had learned that because I had fallen into some of those. And when I realized, I looked around at the table and the relationships I'd made with that party at the time. And I thought, okay, I've got this rapport going with this cleric that's a life cleric. He's very empathetic. He's constantly checking on how everybody's doing. Let me accelerate that process that I had in my head already and slowly become more personable with the the justification of this other player having had an impact on me, this other character, excuse me, having influenced my character at the table and slowly kind of accelerated that process a little bit because it was it created friction. It was hard. So not everything roleplay wise is going to feel comfortable right away. There's absolutely ways when you're starting out that you will think, man, maybe I'm doing too much of this or not enough of, of something else. So it's okay too to tell the other players at your table that you're kind of working some bugs out and hopefully they can help you chug that process along using the idea of be, my character being friendly with that cleric was not my own idea that was something that was suggested to me I said well you and Larry's character are really hitting it off and you know he's kind of the polar opposite of you so maybe would that affect you a little bit have these connections that you've made with the party they're different than what your character grew up with and very similar to yours not ever having an influence siblings or anything like that it's kind of a loner isolated well that's not 
the case anymore? Would that maybe mm-hmm. have changed at some point? Would you have seen this, seen a shift? Well, that was something that I kind of did was, yeah, I was like playing the annoying asshole. But there was a moment in our last session where I just, you could, you, you caught the backs, you caught what mm-hmm. I really was. Teased what, it a little bit. I teased it. I just turned into this dark, badass, getting ready to just go crazy. Yeah. And it really changed, it did change the way that me and the other players interacted. Oh, and all of them as players in the room, I saw them all look at you and go, oh, wow, there's a big old layer under there that we've not gotten to yet. Because the whole time they were just basically letting me follow them around kind of. And well, doing, they thought you were being you little... as Christian, you yeah, as a person. No, they it, thought, ah, oh, Christian's doing a bit. Yeah. And like, they were just kind of like letting me follow them around and like, yeah, I guess that they stuck you with us. Like, we're going to go yeah. do these things that we have to do. And then I had, and everyone would just ignore everything I said as a, as a character. Yeah. And then I had that moment and we got back on the boat and they actually asked my character's opinion. Yeah. They were like, you have value. Like, you mm-hmm. hold value. We saw something. Up until that point, they had really just written you off because you were constantly the one asking questions and, yeah. and the one talking. So nobody asked you anything. They were just like, oh my God, this guy again. He's following us around. Yeah. And I mean, th- so that is one thing to look at because back to the point of you can play as yourself. You're always going to double a little bit of yourself in all your characters. Yeah, a little bit. And that's kind of something that I did is like, my trope is the asshole. Like, that is just who I am. Really? I have okay, no now idea. you're being an asshole. <laughs> and so I kind of like dawdled it in there. I was like, oh, this will be fun, you yeah. know? So it's okay to play as those unlikable characters or be a little annoying. You just got to understand that there has to be a switch. Absolutely. I also think that Christian is an asshole is a wonderful place to end. Yeah, we can go with that. That's fine. <laughs> I don't know. I like it. I think it's fitting. Um, next episode, we are going to shift a little bit away from characters and character creation backstory, who you are as a, as a player at the table, and talk about the big ominous player at the table that is God, lowercase g, and sits behind the fancy intimidating screen. No, we're going we're gonna to talk about the role of the DM and why there is this other player at the table that's not playing, and do they make all the decisions? Do they decide everything you get to do or can't? How do different people run different games what is it like to run games? Yep. You know, what, you know, all of the experience that you get to do, it is a very different role, but it is the same game. Yeah. And it is, I it's mean. It's a collaborative process. It's and a so very... how, how they work together with you as a player at the table. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Sounds good. Christian's an asshole. Yeah. This has been another episode of Session Zero, written by Christian Shell. Produced and edited by Luke Stone and scoring by Diego Wagner. 